0: Salem Media Group.
1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning,
2: everybody. Let's
1: start off positively.
2: Three components make an entrepreneur, the person, the idea, and the resource to make it happen. I think it's the lady that founded uh, the body shop.
1: <laughs>
2: anyway, if you'd like to uh, get in the material that we have, that we talk about on this show, uh, please Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio. And I show up, and you can always tell it's me, because it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, I would also suggest that you go to Market Week. On the right-hand side, says Bulletin Board, and underneath there is Market Week. And uh, Bob Dickey, our head technical analyst, uh technical report every day and then finally there's some information on cyber security and you know last year when interest rates were at 3, 340 on the uh on the 10 i mean the 30 year everybody said they were going to five percent and everything and we still have this sheet up here interest rates will be lower for longer and sure enough they're back we're going to talk about a lot about that this week so the, the question is and i i I constantly talk to my clients about insurance because uh, term insurance is the cheapest I've ever seen it. And they've got a lot more benefits these days. So the question is, do you have the old or do you have the new kind of life insurance? And the old have premiums, death benefits, and maybe cash value. The new have a living benefit where you can use it for long-term care expenses. And believe me, they're expensive. Uh, trust me on that one. Have a new newsletter out this week. If you'd like to sign up for that, uh, there's a, all sorts of email me and contact me's on my website. Once again, if you Google or Bing "Tim Hayes Radio," I show up. Uh, Social Security survivor benefits. It, we have a quiz on that. Uh, rules on opening a 529 plan. If you don't know what, what that is, that's a college education plan. And how does your employment uh, employers? <laughs> let me try that again. How does your employer's retirement plan compare? <sighs> Say that fast about five times. Anyway, we, I had uh, the fourth person called in for the uh, 2018 RBC Markets Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecommunications Conference piece this week. Uh, boy, they're hitting the cover off the ball. I can't even, I mean, it's, it's almost scary in some of these stocks how, how far they've gone. Now, some start to correct. So there might be a good opportunity coming up. Also, uh, several people called in this week for rewriting retirement. This is a great piece. I mean, it kind of discusses it, it. It's going to quiz your brain on on all parts of retirement, what you need to know, stuff like uh, well, you know, you know, do you have enough money? Uh, how do you handle Social Security? You know, all sorts of stuff. So uh, there you go. And once again, for all those who have an estate plan, uh, you know, lawyers uh, are great. Uh, they're phenomenal at putting. The, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and 99% of what they write down is perfect. The question is, is the intent the way you want it? And we have a good man that, uh, at RBC that can help us with that Blake McKibben. Uh, and if, so if you, if you need any help with that, I would like it reviewed. Please let us know. Um, also I have a sheet on social security at a glance. Should highly recommend that part. Remember it's spring. Uh, maybe it's time to spring queen, clean your portfolio. Especially with Friday, Friday's, uh, you know, we got beat up a little bit. For those of you who dumped out of the market in two thousand nine, if you were in the money market still and you had fifty thousand dollars, then uh, you, you hit a low of forty nine eight three. By the way, to to fifty one seven at this point. If you were in bonds, your fifty thousand went to seventy one thousand. If you were in stocks, you're at two hundred eight ninety nine hundred twenty one dollars worth. Uh, Anyway, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, so uh, uh, there we go. So um, according to the Wallet Hub, there are, were 60 million uh, NCAA tournament brackets completed in 2018. That's a lot. Uh, versus 129 ballots cast in in the last presidential election. So there you go. Uh, some people are casting ballots. Some people are are working on the NCA, uh, according to the data from the Federal Reserve, as of december two thousand and eighteen u s credit card debt hit eight hundred and seventy billion the largest amount ever, uh, nearly four hundred and eighty million credit cards in circulation at this point by the way. Uh, my wife helps out with that whenever possible in two thousand and fifteen, the most recent year for which national data is available, American generated two hundred and sixty two point four million tons of waste up. 4.5% from 2010 and 60% from 1985. That's about five pounds per person, just so you know. All right. You know, last week we talked a little bit about software for sustainable growth. Got a great piece on that. And by the way, there are a lot of those names are in that uh, technology, internet, media, and telecommunications uh, piece. All right. So, uh, you know, we talked about value versus growth, and it's, it's kind of it's an interesting thing. It's still going on. So we'll find out, you know, how that ends soon. Um, so people said the one obscure way to save your nest egg, all right, first of all, there's this five step process, list your fixed expenses, plan for additional health expenses because it's going to happen, list the expenses for optional fun activities because that's, that's going to happen too, by the way, you'll have more time plan on how you want to spend it and do the math. You know, if you have fixed expenses, you got to do the math and by the way, it'll save you a long way, a lot of money. Uh, Now, if you want a 20-step guide to a horrible retirement, (laughs) let's see. Let's do a couple things. First of all, uh, avoid saving when you're young and instead play catch-up starting at 50. Bank on being able to work to your 75 or beyond. Live for today, so accumulate debt right up to the time you retire. Invest in individual stocks you pick personally, almost as good. If offered a retirement plan at work, close your eyes and pick three, the three options that sound best. Ignore all the retirement planning tools available to you. Contribute to your 401k because right oh never contribute to your 401k because right now they're better used for cash. Keep the same mix of investments at age 60 that you had when you're 25. Take your Social Security at 62, need it or not. Uh, only save in tax-deductible accounts. Make sure your savings are in tax-favored plans. Uh, All your savings are in tax-favored plans, I'm sorry. Assume there will be a major drop in your spending when you retire. That ain't going to happen. Cancel the long-term policy you bought years ago. You've been waiting so long to buy that boat or RV, you deserve it. (laughs) I just had two clients buy brand-new cars uh, as they retired. Invest heavily in your employer's stock. Don't worry about inflation after you retire. That's the biggest problem. And when someone tries to explain the power of compounding don't listen and when there's a drop in the stock market make sure you shift the bonds which is what we just talked about um, you know I looked at dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with and uh, one of the things I noticed is is that the international stocks are gaining more votes now they they were at about two hundred forty two back uh, the beginning of the year they're up at two forty seven and the domestic equities have stayed at 281 so that's kind of um international picking up steam is what i'm trying to tell you in so many words real estate opportunities are i'm seeing more and more of them domestically and uh, abroad i did notice last week i wrote down you know i look at charts every day every day i look at charts and uh i wrote down a lot of real estate investment trusts a lot of utilities and a lot of consumer staples and a huge amount of healthcare stocks. I had five columns of healthcare stocks. If I have two columns of anything, it's a lot. I had five columns of healthcare stocks. So, uh, but I, I saw a lot of different, um, uh, D you know, pretty good uh, opportunities in real estate. And I got a whole bunch of names if you're interested, but, uh, we'll talk, talk about that later. Look, there's a couple of things you should know about REITs and, uh, there's you know twenty percent tax deduction on real estate income applies for pass through vehicles uh, like the forty act funds. So income is now taxed at twenty nine percent versus thirty seven percent for investors in a real estate fund. So uh, that if you look at Cohen and, and Steers, they have a product out there for that. Also preferred securities. Somebody asked me why I keep talking about preferred securities. Well, the reason is is because they get most of them get priced out at regular income. I mean, dividend income, not regular income, like bonds. So if you get a 7% yield or 6.5% yield in a preferred, you're you're going to get the 15% dividend income tax, not the 30% tax. Okay, so that that's why we like these two. Uh, now, you have to be in some of these funds to get these REIT benefits. So, you know, don't go out and buy REITs and say, hey, why, why don't I get this discount? I also got a question from Ken and uh I think Ken's a Westsider, uh, but he asked, Tim, what is the marginal tax rate? And uh the marginal tax rate is the key concept behind progressive income taxes. It's kind of defined as the amount of tax to pay on any given dollar amount. So pe- people typically use the marginal tax rate to refer to the highest rate at which they pay income taxes. When someone says that they have a 22% marginal rate, for example, that means that the highest bracket for which they qualify is that number. So in most cases, people think – uh this means they pay 22% on income taxes. That's wrong. Uh, More accurately, the marginal tax rate is the percent taken from each given dollar of someone's income based on tax brackets they qualify for, okay? So if someone says they pay a 22% marginal rate, for example, what they really mean is that some of their income qualifies at 22, and some of it might qualify at the 10 or 12 area too, you know? So progressive taxes are taxes that escalate with income, that's what all the Democrats are talking about right now. Uh, you know, a, a modern government requires far higher levels of revenue these days than uh, the laissez-faire models of the 19th century. So it's as far as I'm concerned, it's confiscating our money <laughs> uh, to pay for, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was $190 billion worth of programs were put on board within the last day of the year in 19, in 2018, you know, uh, I, I did, I wanted to go into the Fed and, and I think the Fed is, is doing some interesting stuff. Uh, Ed Yardini had a great piece this week and he talked about, you know, uh, the Fed Reserve, Federal Reserve Chairman, Power Powell. And, uh, you know, he, he talked about two unusual images and he, he, he put them up on a screen and they were unrecognizable close up as a bouquet of flowers, but they were from, George Surratt's a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Yachty. And then he, then he put up the full image. So he put up this partial image and the full image. And I, I, I'm not sure what the point he was trying to make, but I guess monetary impressions may not be seen the forest for the trees. Makes up the metaphor. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, there you go. Um, so... Uh, there's a lot of fireworks from the Fed this week. And I, and I mean, at the meeting this week, they basically said they're still neutral. And that got things going uh, pretty quickly. And, and the yield curve flattened very, very quickly. And then on Friday, it inverted. Hey, let's take a break. We'll, we'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes.
1: I took a stroll on the long walk of the day. I, I, I. I met a little girl and we stopped to talk. on a fine, soft day. And I ask your friend, what's a fella to do? Cause her hair is black and her eyes are blue. And a knee right then, I've been taking a
2: Okay, we're back. Uh, we're going to get get more into the Fed uh, meeting this week. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, a couple things. We're running out of space for our uh, April 8th seminar at uh, the uh, Airport Marriott in Cleveland. And uh, we're going to have Marshfield, who's one of the best deep value managers I know. They're very deliberate. They take a long time to get invested, but they, they're good. And Bob Dickey, who's our head technical strategist. Now, last year, you know, Bob... Said there, there's an 18%, you know, move between the top end of the trend line and the bottom end. And he he hit the nail on the head. Matter of fact, he said a couple of, you know, he, he said interest rates were going down. He thought interest rates, you know, would be lower for longer. And we were at 3.5. And he says, we you know, the interest rate cycle is still down. And I, well, two good calls. And Marshfield talked to, you know, everybody gave him a hard time about Chipotle. Well, Chipotle ended up being one of the biggest stocks in the S&P 500 last year. So if you'd like to come, it's from six to eight. Uh, Go to Tim Hayes, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, uh, hit the contact me or email me uh, or call us, 888-223-7742. By the way, WHK does podcast my show, so if you go to WHK 1420, uh, go to the local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, there I am. You can go directly to my webpage from there too, by the way, and uh, sign up for the seminar. I don't think we're going over, I, I think we're very close to 30, and I think we're not going over 35, so... Yeah, you you heard it here first. So it looks like the Fed aims to keep the the party alive, at least. Uh, The Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell appeared to have done the best impression of Jay Gatsby, (laughs) as the Fed's focus seemed to to have shifted from its official mandates of steady prices and full employment to simply keeping the good times rolling. Uh, The Great Gatsby, uh, uh, a mediation on the end of an year in American history following a decade of unprecedented prosperity and excess, uh, may capture the state of the mind of the Fed officials at this point, I guess. But, look, fears have grown in recent months that the, the 10-year economic expansion might be at risk and the rising recession worries were at end. And uh, he he basically said, my colleagues and I have one achieve, unach- overachieving goal, the same economic expansion with a strong job market and stable prices for the benefit of American people. You know, if it wouldn't have been for oil, the Commodity Research Bureau would have hit a new low this year. And that doesn't sound like inflation to me. You know the Commodity Research Bureau index is an index of a whole bunch of commodities: food, oil, natural gas, cotton. You know, a whole bunch of stuff. Copper, and it's at the same price it was back in 1973. So where's the inflation? That's what I I don't get. But anyway, uh, uh, look, I I look I read through everything, and uh, you know the the Fed dot plot or rate height expansion fell by each. Uh, Uh, by two each year through 2021 uh, in the last month. That's a lot. While leaving uh, the terminal rate or the level of interest rates at, at which policy is neither boosting or restricting the economy at 2.7. But on Friday, the 10 year yield dropped below 250. Remember I said it looked like it was going to trade between 250 and 290. Okay. I was wrong. All right. It it dropped like a brick. What was really interesting was the German bun. The news out of Germany was terrible. Okay. And the bond dropped thirty-five basis points. That's a basis point is point one hundredth of a percentage point. So 0. 0.35 percentage points. It dropped in one day. Went to zero. That's that's pretty amazing, if you ask me. So uh, ours went inverted. So the two-year yield is now higher than the ten-year yield, and the five-year yield. It, uh, no, I'm sorry. The five-year yield is higher than the ten-year yield. The two-year is equal to it, and and that's you know. Uh in 50% of the cases, that tells you about a recession. Okay, now, I'm not so sure it's going to happen this time or, or any other time because I think the economy is strong. Now, some of the international economies are not so strong, so it'll be interesting to see what's going on. Now, I saw another thing this week. It really kind of, I dropped my jaw when I saw this, but the biggest ever trading volume on the COMEX copper call options, more than 11,000 uh, traded on Tuesday And I think that signals uh, supply troubles brewing in the market. Um, So, you know, one spread a trade was posted that was worth 6.5 million in that the copper prices would surge past 305 in the next few months. So, you know, maybe there is inflation out there. Who knows? But, uh, you know, so far we haven't seen that yet. Lori Calcevina, who's our head strategist, had some good comments this week. And I I think, you know, I'm just going to read a couple things. She moved healthcare from overweight to market weight this week, and and boy, uh, she had a reaction because I couldn't believe how many healthcare stocks were were listed on my machine. Uh, it was unbelievable. But Inst- institutional investors are pivoting away, uh, demonstrated by hedge fund ownership of the sector peaking out and declining since uh, you know way back in two thousand fifteen. But policy risks is likely amplified for the sector, uh, it, you know, during the in the coming elections. I'm sorry. I said she went to overweight. She went to, under, she went to market weight. Uh, she believes our healthcare uh, analysts are slightly less constructive but do, in fact, main, remain constructive. It was amazing how many biotechs went crazy. Uh, so, look, uh, there's some people out there. I, I was reading something from uh, the Alger people who uh, run a pretty good mutual fund, and they think small caps are, are poised to outperform. And they said over the past two years, small caps' earnings per share growth is forecasted to double that of large caps. And this would be a significant change from the past several years where the earnings growth of small caps and large caps were very similar. And by the way, people were going to large caps just because they were stuffing all their money in index funds. And additionally, you know, if we do have faster economic growth because the Fed's stepping back, that they could get really interesting. And small caps are attractively valued. Uh, I mean, boy, they're cheap. When compared to price-to-earnings ratios, it's, it's, it's they're very, very cheap. And in contrast, in the past few years, small caps have historically tended to outperform large caps uh you know during periods of easy money and look one of the things you should think about is that uh if they stop this you know what i called the you know we talked about quantitative easing now we're talking about quantitative tightening if they stop that the last time by, uh, the small caps did well was in 2013 and they did really well i mean some of the indexes were up 30 40% and when did they stop when they announced quantitative easing was ending so uh there we go you know the the tech dominated nasdaq has led the market higher and uh they're clearing through some of their november uh, uh highs now they uh you know it will be a question whether they get through um, uh you know december uh but the, the the key is i'm seeing some things with decade long uh bases some two-decade-long de- bases that are starting to break out slowly but surely. And, you know, the farther the base, the longer the race. And these are all 5G plays for the most part. So these are names that uh, are in the telecommunications area that nobody's even talking about. But the more I look at the S&P 500, the, the more interested I get. And the more I look at the charts on the uh, on uh, the uh, bonds, the less interested I get. I mean, I, I like to buy yield when it's up. But, uh, you know, the question is, could the S&P 500 fall 2.6% every year for 16 straight years? Uh, that that was a thing by Tom Bowley. Uh, you know, he, he did some some research over the last, you know, several patterns. And he, he's more of a, uh, uh, you know, guy doing wave patterns. And so it'll be interesting to see if he he's right, but I don't think he is. Uh, and I looked at a lot of stock charts this week, uh, and I saw – what was interesting, I saw some stocks at all-time new highs where insiders were selling, but they were only selling just, you know, pieces. Not not a lot, okay? So I looked at some of the trend models in the short-term, mid-term, and long-term, and they all look pretty good. Uh, the PMO signals, if you don't know what those are, you got to look them up. Uh, for the S&P 500, the, the short-term was down, and so was not the long-term. The mid-term was up. Uh, the small-caps, really look good so we'll see if uh, by the way you know if the yield curve inverts the small caps will take it because the liquidity will dry up a little bit so don't be in a hurry to, to jump on those uh, and um, here's a couple other things I looked at weekly momentum indicators and they they qu- quadrant balance stuff uh, which is momentum uh, are at 92 and that's a relatively good overbought reading when they've gone, from below 10 to over 90 there's been six times uh they have con- coincided with early stages of a new market cycle it happened uh it, it happened more than uh, just the six that i'm thinking of but 87 88 uh, 98 i'm sorry 2002 2009 2010 2011 2016 and and now 2018 so the bottom line's expanding. That's what's important. Uh, you know, if you look, the breath indicators are are expanding uh, greatly, and th- and that's something really uh, big, I think. Uh, we're also seeing more sector rotation and churn. So some of the leadership's good for a cu- couple months and then it churns for a while. That's very, very good. So you, you get rid of the overbought situation by just churning. Um, we're seeing some of the first quarter laggards beginning to emerge to play catch-up. Uh, There's been a big surge in many growth stocks the past quarter, and uh, we have been uh, recommending the less extended profiles. Some of those uh, on the long-term charts are still very extended, but short-term they're probably trades. The the some of the financials have broken out of a two-month consolidation. uh, You know, and there's a couple in the brokerage firms that have been you know uh, bottoming for a long time. Energy, uh, you know, we uh, I said my target was 60. We hit 60 and then get whacked on Friday, so. Be interesting to see what's happening, but once again, the the quadrant balance oscillator—it's kind of an, a momentum type thing—and and it hit ninety two point two six this week. Usually, that's a good sign when you go from cover to cover, and it's usually the start of something. So, you know, I said last week that I thought we'd have a sell off, and it would be a mild sell off or a quick, fast one. And uh, you know, Friday was quick, fast. So let's hope. It, you know, you know, I think we could go four to six percent somewhere around there. You know, uh, don't. Quote me on that because you never know. And we do have the Russell 2000 uh, pausing. There's some big resistance at 1615. At Russell 2000 is the small cap stocks, okay? Uh, so it's pausing right there at resistance. And, it, you know, I, I am noticing that same, you know, in that same breath, that some of the short-term momentum indicators for the Russell are bottoming and, and look like they could turn up. As far as growth versus value, I still see, you know, the mid-cap area, uh, in growth is still the best place. And by the way, that that's where all those software names are in that technology, internet, media and tech, uh, telecommunications, uh, group. We did see, uh, e- e- even the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley corporate index for the international stocks is right at a point where it could be breaking out. The EEM once again is, has broken out and looks okay for, uh, at least a trading opportunity. The Shanghai index went crazy on the upside and now it's kind of consolidating a little bit. So, uh, I got a little of that. I didn't get enough of it. And then the Latin America looks pretty good, especially Brazil. You know, Brazil voted to the right uh just recently, so but ten I think the big story of the week is the ten year bond yield. It broke through the two fifty area down to two uh it was at two forty five uh, you know, when I left on Friday. Um and and that that's a change in course and, and the dollar was up on that, just a you know, just a one penny, but I thought it was kind of interesting that it was up during that period of time and, and and crude futures fell off. And I think the really interesting sign is there's some early evidence that the defect, uh, defensive sectors are beginning to uh, decelerate and bottom. Okay. Anyway, we'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back you just tuned in don't forget um uh, you can go to whk 1420 am and uh go to local podcasts and i'm there uh tim hayes and, and you know you can listen to all the podcasts going back so you see if i said what i said if i was you know uh correct um and don't forget we we do just have a few seats left for our seminar april 8th uh at the airport marriott it'll feature uh bob dickey who's our head technical strategist he's very good i mean last last year if you would have listen to him you would have made a lot of money uh and also the the guys at marshfield and by the way marshfield was up last year and the s&p 500 was down 4.95 percent they were up about three so uh there you go it's, it's an eight percent turnaround all right so uh now we talk about the bullish percent and the bullish percent is designed by our friends. Uh, actually, it was designed by some uh, protégés of Charles Dow way back in the, uh, in the 30s, and they wanted to be bullish when everyone else, else was bearish. And they wanted to be bearish when everybody else was bullish. And they wanted to be careful when they thought distribution was occurring. All right? So there's a lot going on here, but I'm going to make it as easy as possible. This is a chart that goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. that's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. Uh, You know, CNBC talks about going to the moon and all that stuff. And then we get below 30, and that's when nobody wants to talk about their portfolio. Okay, we were just there. And I said, don't get too bearish. I said it like five times, you know, almost uh, three weeks in a row. I must have said it five times per show. I said, don't get too bearish. We're getting close to a bottom. And, And we did. We were 24 then. We're now at 54, so we've come a long way in a hurry. 54 is still a good number. You know, we were down big last week. We're, we were up a one percentage point this week. The over-the-counter index uh, was down four or five percentage points last week, but it's at fifty uh, uh, 45 right now. It wouldn't break down until it was uh, 38, by the way. And the um, world index uh, is at 47. It was up uh, just three-quarters of a percentage point. But they're all in the column of Xs. So that's the other thing. Xs means we have the offensive team on the field. O's mean we're in distribution. Just so you know, distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. <laughs> so when you go in a column of O's, it doesn't mean you have to sell your whole portfolio out, okay? There's other things we look at, like what asset class is the best, and if domestic equities are still the best, then you just want to weed some of your not-so-great performers out. That's all. Uh, so you, you just want to be a lot more careful where you buy things. You want to wait for them to come back to you. Uh, so, But we're in a column of X's right now, so we're in pretty good shape. So we we kind of remained unchanged on most of these things. I, uh, I did notice that large cap growth picked up some votes in the dynamic asset level investing. And that's all that is, is the asset classes be, are, are, we're voting for them via relative strength and relative strength just is, you know, how I'm doing compared to somebody else. And small cap growth came in second mid cap growth came in third, which is interesting because there's a lot more mid cap growth stocks breaking out to a new high. Uh, most of those are the software stocks, by the way. Uh, and then mid-cap blend. At the bottom end is large-cap value and small-cap value. So value has not come on board yet. And if we look, it's still the, uh, the you know, if you're going to buy one ETF, either buy the, the S&P 500, one stock, one vote, okay, the equal weight index, or the uh, S&P 500 growth ETF. Those would be the two I would be buying, okay? And, you know, I looked at uh, most of the indexes, and the only one that's held up here is the NASDAQ composite. It's been, it's been positive for 11 straight weeks. Usually, you're getting close to look out below uh, after 11 weeks. Uh, you know, I said that it's usually 78 weeks, and the Dow Industrials was that two weeks ago. It's now negative. Same with the small cap and mid cap, and same with the, uh, the equal weight. So uh, we're probably getting pretty close to seeing the NASDAQ get beat up a little bit. Uh, we did notice um, – That, uh, you know, if I look at the the S&P 500, it's kind of a sideways chart uh, move on a point and figure chart, you know, dating back to uh, last year. Uh, And, you know, so we we hit a new low. We broke down to a new low and we rallied right up. We got like five tops at 2820 and we were over it for a day and then we we fell below it. Uh, That could be a false breakout, folks. So um, you got to be a little bit, you know, concerned with that. Uh, but a break above uh, on the SP and 500, 28, now I'll say 28.50 would be uh, pretty positive, although uh, with Friday's action, it might take a while. <laughs> uh, the, the, if we look at the relative strength on the, I mean, the um, relative performance of the uh, uh, equal weight index, you know, that's pretty close to breaking a double top at 105. So it'll be uh, – I'm looking at the ETFs, by the way. There's two of them, the Invesco and the iShares. Um, so this week when we looked at the sectors, uh, we went down two sectors. Last week we had 16 favored sectors. This week we have 14. Uh, the only thing over 70 is the electric utility. So these are the higher end. So you want to wait for these. Uh, gas utilities are 65. Semiconductors and software at 60. Then at 50 we have insurance, telecom, and medical. Uh, I'm sorry, media, not medical. Uh, at 45 we have housing, Wall Street, and bio uh, biotechnology. And by the way, it was interesting with the interest rates coming down as far as they did on Friday. A lot of the housing stocks were up or held their own. And then at 40 we have drugs, restaurants, and healthcare. And then at 30 we have precious metals. So uh, you know, we, we lost a couple candidates this week. So, uh, you know, protection services, uh, dropped out and so of in banking. So, uh, that's kind of interesting. And I, I think you, you know, if you, you look, uh, biotechnology reversing up is, is pretty positive and healthcare went to the most favorite status. Precious metals went to just average, well, less than second tier favorite status And protection services and gaming went to average. Gaming was the other uh, group. I'm sorry that that fell down. So I looked at the S&P 500 and we got like uh, a double top at at 2,900. We've got five tops at 28 to 20, which we really would on a point and figure chart. You would have said it broke it. Okay. Uh, On a regular chart, you watch to see if it pulls back and it did. So it might be a false breakout. And, we do have the mid-cap index, which uh, broke through its downtrend line, which is a psychological barrier holding the, the thing back. And that's kind of positive, too. So there's a lot of good things happening, but, you know, we're extended. And I think you should be, you know, uh, being a little bit more careful right now because we did just go coast to coast, okay? Uh, you know, we were we were pretty burnt out on Christmas, Christmas Eve. And um, it was funny because I called a bunch of people on Christmas Eve. They didn't call me back for a week. That's a good sign, really good sign. Now, the First Trust New York Stock Exchange ARCA Biotechnology Fund uh, is right where it probably going to, you know, very close to breaking a double top at 152. Um, I looked at several of them, and the only one that I was worried about was the IBB, and they had some bad news on Biogenidec, uh, and they beat the stock up a little bit. So, um, you know, uh, this, this still looks like it could uh, break that double top sometime in the near future. So biotechnology might be, you know, it's not the uh, a lot of the smaller names are like the old biotechnology a lot of the larger larger names have good dividends and are cheap right now uh, Commodities uh oil has been positive for twelve weeks it'll be interesting to see Friday was down almost two bucks uh, the some of the commodity indexes which a lot of oil based have been uh positive momentum for 13 weeks. It's a long time you know usually you have a break in the action um, gold has been negative for four weeks and copper has been reg- a positive for nine weeks. Uh, corn has been negative for 10 weeks. So you, you could have a reversal where copper goes down, corn goes up, that type of thing. And coffee for those coffee drinkers out there, coffee broke a double bottom and, uh, it has not, it's getting very close to the old September, 2008, 18 low, uh, which was down there in the 92 area. Uh, that's the lowest coffee's been those two down downplays are the lowest coffee's been in, in almost eight years. um, I looked at some of the core bond funds, and uh, almost every one of them broke out this week. Uh, you look at the AGG from the iShares. You look at all of them, uh, especially the long-term bond. They all broke out. Now, this is the bond, not the yield. The yield broke down. The bond breaks out. So, they, you know, they're an inverse relationship for those of you who are uh, wondering. Um, and I think that's the story of the week. You know, the bond's uh, the bonds breaking 250 on the 10-year. Uh, that's probably going to get the housing market going again. I guarantee you that. Now, I looked at some of the emerging markets and uh boy some of the first trust ETFs look really, really good. Uh I mean like really, really good. <laughs> uh and some of the emerging markets ETFs uh uh look look great right across the board. And I'm I'm seeing double top breaks and stuff like that and fund scores that are breaking over three fifty, which is a positive thing. So um it does look like uh, you know, we'll be in a scenario where we'll be probably seeing more money flow that way. It's funny. Uh, we're now at uh, $3.15 trillion in money market funds. So we finished the year at 2.7. So what they've done, everybody out there has used this rally to get out. Can't be more bullish than that. When On a contrary basis, it can't be more bullish than that. Now, the 10-year yield, let's talk about that. I mean, the, the the low prior to this was 275, and that was right at the end of the year. Then we rallied up to 2.75, and now we're at 2.445. Phew, that's a big drop. You know how much money was made on the futures market if you were long, or how much you lost if you were short? Ooh, if you were short, you got... You got your head handed to you this week on the bond market, so we 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 are seeing. You know, one thing I will say is the AGG uh, it broke a triple top. That's a very positive sign. So probably going to have lower yields for a while. And and remember, we said for we've been saying all along, lower yields for longer. And if, if you've been sitting in my office, I did that very scientific piece where I show you my, my I put my fingers on the you know the, the times when you've had. You know, bad times in America, and you've had long periods of lower yields. Well, it takes a while to get the money out there. Uh, one thing I don't think the Fed's paying attention to. So let's talk about relative strength buy signals. Uh, got quite a few this week. Uh, so what you know, what we've done is we've gone to economy, then we've come down some t- technical stuff, and now we're going to talk about individual stocks. Now I'm not recommending any of these, but this these are good places. You know, if they have relative strength buy signals. They can stay that way for a while. So they're they're beating, you know, people in their peer group, okay? This is uh, Digamark Corporation, their software business, Alamos Gold, paychecks, WageWorks, Aravi, which is a biotechnology story, that's an interesting one, and Demira, it doubled last week, Uh, California Resources, Carvana, if you're into car sales, Uh, ProPetro Oil Company, uh, Catasis in healthcare, and Covia, and then uh, Stone Corp, which is a software company, on the sell side. Horace Mann, Aviet Networks, Clearwater Paper, Luminex Corporation, PRG Schultz, RF Industries, Standex International, United Fire and Casualty, Sea World Entertainment, uh, Sientra, and National Vision. By the way, China, uh, U.S. government, Latin America, India, Internet technology, and biotechnology were the most improved groups. Over the course of last week. We'll be right back. Stay tuned to the Smart Investor Show. Back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And now we're going to talk about some more individual ideas, whether you buy them or not. That's up to you. Uh, I'm not recommending any of these. I'm just telling you that the insiders know more about their company than you and I do. They're usually early, and uh, you don't want to buy every insider buy. You want to when they buy big quantities. That's when you should be paying attention. All right. So um, here we have one that's really interesting uh, a guy named Jeff Marcus. I don't know if anybody has Wide Open West. They're a cable company. Uh, but he, he bought, uh, it's first purchase in a while. So he owns 29 million shares and he bought another 193,000 at 819 That's a $1.5 million value. Uh, he's chairman of the board. The CEO bought, uh, 6,200 shares and he's got a ton of it. Seven others bought 77,000 shares on average. So, uh, big numbers. Um, uh, Here's a name that uh, was was up really big last week, so you want to be careful, you know, let it come back to you a little bit. But uh, Corindus Vascular Robotics, uh, Hudson Executive Capital, which is a pretty smart, that's pretty smart money, purchased 2.899 million shares. It's a $4 million value. They already own 14.3, so uh, you like to see that. And then a director bought 573,780,000 shares for $790,000. So it's a low-priced one. And then uh, Dave Gladstone, who I've met several times, a very bright man. He's, uh, when it comes to r- real estate investment trusts, he's very, very bright. One of the you know, Gladstone uh, portfolios have been out there for a long, long time. Uh, he bought uh, in Gladstone Land Corporation, he bought $603,000 worth and then $595,000 worth two days later. Uh, so, you know, Gladstone Land Corporation, Dave Gladstone, he's a pretty smart guy. You know, the, the stock's down from about 13 60 I think it was 12, 12 bucks when he bought it, and uh, you could take it or leave it, whatever. And RMC Technologies, which is in, this, in the staffing and outsourcing, that type of thing, uh, their executive chairman and co-founder uh, bought $2.5 million worth. Um, and the stock you know, was a six dollar and sixty cent stock. It went down as far as two fifty. He bought it around three bucks. And select medical holdings. Uh, these are basically the hospital. So the vice chair uh, bought three point five million dollars worth uh, after the stock went from twenty down to fourteen uh, over the course of the year. And here's one that's really interesting because it's been showing up on my charts too. Cadence Bancorp, the chairman and chief executive officer and the president both bought uh and and CEO but uh, I'm sorry chairman and CEO and the president and COO both bought 996,000 shares uh, each um and then overseas shipping group which is a $2.40 uh stock so this is not for widows or orphans uh Cyrus Capital Partners uh which is a pretty aggressive hedge fund bought 16 uh .311 million dollars worth and they already owned a ton of it so they're adding to their position. And, by the way, there was a new low for the company. And then um, Senelo, C- I'm sorry, which is basic materials, uh, private Fund bought 825000 And I, I don't normally mention that, but it's their third major buy. So, uh, you know, they're, they're coming back for more. you like seeing that. And then Marcus Labonis. Marcus Labonis, you know him from uh, CNBC. does, uh, I don't know, uh, does that one show where he goes and he helps people. Well, he and his wife just bought uh well he bought one point three million dollars worth of camping world, which is like it's kind of a real estate investment trust, and his wife bought a bunch of it too so uh the husband and wife team both uh mrs Limonis and marcus uh both bought it and uh you know it's it's in that area of the real estate investment trust which have been doing fairly well and then boy, Ron Perlman's a gutton for punishment uh you know he bought a bunch of uh, Revlon back in august in the 1416 area it went to 28 got beat up just recently it's around 20 bucks he bought another 4.6 million he owns a ton of it um you know so you, you wonder <laughs> what's he thinking about right and then um health insurance innovations uh it's got beat up pretty bad it was uh, in the 50s and now is in the 30s uh, a director bought 2.7 million and then uh, another director bought uh, 239,000 the other director who owns 239,000 owns a ton of it all right so there we go so the big news of the week i think is the bonds breaking out when bonds break out yields break down and uh, breaking below 250 was pretty big i think support now lies at 2 uh, 2.4% and it'll be interesting, but we did break the uptrend line dating back to July. So I don't think interest rates are going up for a while. It's that simple. So the feds probably, you know, they said on Thursday or Tuesday, I'm sorry, they're on hold. And uh, I mean, some people are talking about them lowering interest rates. I don't know if they're lower interest rates. If they did anything, they'd probably do a coupon pass or something like that. If you don't know what that is, um, it they just let a coupon pass out. So instead of, you know, Actually, well, it's it's complicated. Look it up. Coupon pass. It's gets uh, a little more complicated. So, I looked at the Dow, and I, I see several levels of support, uh, and I think twenty four thousand will probably be where we end up. Um, that's my opinion. That that you know, uh, I if we went back and tested twenty two thousand, which is the low, I would be shocked. All right, I, I think you know with the with the quadrant balance oscillator breaking over uh, ninety two. Uh, from basically seven uh back on Christmas Eve. Um, I've never seen a, a major correction after that. Uh It's been a shallow, uh, some have been hard and fast, but they've been shallow, all right? Uh, just enough to make you, you know, you, so you can't sleep. <laughs> That's what the market's supposed to do. You know, you got to understand that the stock market, because it's a psychological being too, makes sure that the least number of people make money you know because the people use unfortunately they are emotional beans instead of factual beans you know warren buffett always says uh oh, yeah Marcus down what a great buying opportunity and everybody else is you know throwing up in their toilet because their their portfolio you know their 401k they can't even open the the uh you know the the envelope okay so you you got to think differently uh that's what i do best um anyway the market is is in a longer tra- trading range pattern i I think you know, and this is similar to previous ranges periods like back in uh, you know uh, the 2013 to 2016 time frame. And so what we have is the stair step type thing. you know you you go sideways for a while, you make a step, and then you you move up to the next step. then you take about a year or two to make a next step. Uh, in the meantime, there's lots of stocks hitting new highs there's There's five stocks on our prime income list that are hitting new highs. I own them. Um, I also bought five that have down and out because their yields are up. Uh, I'm sorry, three that that were down and out and their yields are up, okay? I like to buy yield buy high-quality companies when their yield is up, all right? Uh, Now, if you're a momentum guy, you want to buy them when they're they're going crazy. But look, the key is, and I bet you Bob Dickey says this in his presentation on April 8th, we're still in an uptrend, dating back to the bottom in 2009. So we're still in an uptrend. And, and yields are still in a downtrend. It's about that simple. All right, so for all those people who are negative, you know, whatever. Now, what I don't like is we've made a little bit of a lower high on a short-term basis, you know, from the February high. And we're also making a lower high dating back to October, so if we were to break down hard here, then I'd get a little bit more negative. But as, as of now, uh, you know, the bullish percent still positive. It's still in a comma of X's. So, um, you know, and that can change, you know. Uh, you, you can, you're can you allowed to change your mind in this business. And what I have seen, and like I said, I, I have a lot of utilities, real estate investment trusts that are showing up on my machines, a lot of consumer staples, and a lot of health care stocks. And I don't know why. Uh, with the election coming up, everybody thought that they'd be in bad shape, but I think uh, they're so sh- people are so short these things, and when there's good news, they bounce big. They bounce really big. But utility stocks uh, continue in this beautiful long-term bullish trend, and uh, I have quite a few of those. The other thing I've been noticing is Master Limited Partnerships have been break, uh, picking up, and we did break above that 60 level and last week. Uh, so if we look at uh, West Texas crude, like crude, we broke above some – some pretty decent resistance. And then we went up to the sixty area and now we pulled back hard on light volume. That's the key on light volume. So uh you know, I, I think you just gotta be watching and and waiting to, to see exactly uh where we uh where we're going with most of this stuff. But look uh I had another question about Bitcoin this week and, and uh Bitcoin is it looks like it's bottoming. Although I did notice they killed the Bitcoin futures market and option market over at, uh, in the CBOE and the, and the Chicago, uh, Merck. Uh, so they, cause it was no volume. <laughs> uh, that may be a good thing. That may, you know, be an ev- evidence of a bottom, uh, you know, coming up here. So what would I do now? Well, look, short term, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm getting less bullish, but I'm bullish. I'm intermediate term neutral. And I'm long-term, I'm extremely bullish. I just think we have to get through a couple quarters of going sideways, digesting some of these gains, uh, figuring out what the Fed's going to do, figuring out what they're going to do about China, you know, the whole kid and caboodle. So don't get too paranoid. Uh, uh, You know, we could have some interesting times. And, and, uh, you know, just just remember that uh, 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 things change. And, by the way, you know, the S&P – Kind of follows oil, and oil just picked up nicely, so it'll be interesting if the s and p follows. So I would look at a couple of things. number one, our, our uh, technology, internet, media and telecom uh, show back in November was great that 's a great list to look for for you growth investors. Also, our prime income list and our dividend growth list are phenomenal pieces. you know uh, in a 12 month period, uh, the, the dividend growth I mean the div- prime income list was up like nine percent. So well, everybody else was dying last year. They were doing great. Well, I, you know, I had some people in last week said, well, why don't we just do that? And I said, that's fine. Uh, but just remember, you know, I've been averaging this, you know, for a long period of time. And, you know, so we, 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 I buy these uh, names in a lot of portfolios. And then uh, we, we also have port- portfolios we call Dividend and Zingers, you know, where there are a couple names in there that, you know, could make us a lot of money. Uh, we also have our best idea list. So please call in for any of these and, and let us know uh, I'm not talking about bonds for a while because I, you know, I just think you should have bought them back in March when we first started talking about them. So, dividend growth, prime income list, uh, our best idea list, and our t- uh, technology, internet, media, and telecom uh, thing from back in November. Still a lot of good names there. Don't forget, we have a seminar coming. Uh, it's April 8th. I think we got room for like seven, eight, maybe nine more people. Uh, it it filled up fast, and. Um, we're going to have Bob Dickey, who's our head technical strategist. He's very good at what he does. And Marshfield. Remember, they were up last year in a down year. That's that's all you got, I got to hear. They're very, very good at not losing money. Hey, thanks for your time this weekend. Have a great weekend. Remember, buy low,
1: sell high. This is Tim Hayes in the Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Seventy-seven forty-two, or visit his website rbcwmfa.com slash tim hayes that's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash tim hayes please join us again next saturday for the smart investor hour to hear more smart investing from tim hayes of rbc wealth management